Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 337 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited about today's topic. We are talking about life skills, which is, you know, life skills are a topic we've done a number of episodes on over the years, but we're taking a little bit of a different spin on it today. And these are life skills that our kids do not need. They will never (laughs) have to learn. I know. And part of me wants to make them learn, but like, for what reason? They're obsolete. Well, right. We're talking about the life skills that we had to learn that are now totally obsolete. A lot of a lot of this is because technology and how the world has evolved. But let me tell you kind of how this this topic came about. I had this moment where for some reason the kids and I were talking about landline phones, like which they have seen a landline and they know in theory what a telephone used to be and they know that it didn't all used to be in your pocket. But specifically, I was telling them about how like I remember answering my landline phone as a kid, a pretty young kid, maybe eight or nine years old, and needing to know how to take a message because the person calling maybe wanted to talk to my mom and she wasn't there or, you know, take a message, write it down. We had kind of a dry erase board or we had a pad of paper. And I went into all this detail and we would kind of get in trouble if we if we didn't take a message or like forgot to tell a parent that someone had called, it was kind of a big deal. So you really learned that you learned both the etiquette of it, but also the like executive functioning required to write it down, take a message and then make sure to pass along that message. And I was like, you, you guys will never have to do this. This is like, it's gone. That entire era is unless you take a job as a, as like an executive assistant or something maybe, but like in a home, I can't, I can't see that ever being a thing ever again. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. Like I have so much, I have so many thoughts about that. Um, we live right now in a house that has a wall phone in the kitchen, like, like a legit mid nineties, a phone attached to the wall. And because we're renting, I never, and I think it's hilarious. Like I never took it down, but the kids and I kind of play on it sometimes. Like it doesn't (laughs) work, but it's just funny to kind of play on it. Um, and I was thinking about 
not only in, in addition to like having to take messages, which is like something that most kids don't really deal with anymore, but how um, you really didn't, at least in my family, I didn't have any control over whether my parents even wanted to have call waiting. And I do remember specifically my dad getting rid of it at times because it annoyed him. Mm. And then to me, that was like social death because if we didn't have call waiting and my friends got a busy signal when they yeah. called, I mean, they might just go get another friend. <laughs> what? So like, why would they want me anymore? Um, and another like thing that brings to mind is a few years ago, my sister ended up getting a landline because her cable company, I, I feel like it had to do with her internet and they sold her on a cheaper package if she bought the landline. And she's uh -huh. like, well, okay, whatever. Yes, I'll yeah. get a landline. So they had this landline actually set up in their house that no one ever used. And it would ring constantly with like spam sure. call, like scam calls. And Quinn, who at the time was probably like eight or nine, would answer it and then freak out. Like he'd go find, he's like, mom, someone's calling about our home insurance oh. or our, oh. like our, our life insurance policy or our home warranty. That was it. It was the home warranty. And so yeah. she'd be like in the shower and he's banging on the door thinking she's like going to come because he doesn't know, like he doesn't yeah. really know how that's, that that's like a scam and it's not real. And, and he doesn't know about, um, spam calls. Like it, it wasn't right. something he had ever dealt with before. So it just made me laugh because she tried to kind of do like a throwback. He's so, he's so savvy and wise about everything in his generation, but was right. like a senior citizen when it came to using a phone. It's so true. And it, it speaks to that. Like when, when something is native to your experience from a very young age, you, you come at it with a set of life skills that are, are harder to teach. It's like learning a yeah. second language. We're never, you're never totally fluent if you're coming to it later. And I think that goes both ways. So we thought it would be fun today just to kind of play with some of the life skills that were pretty instrumental to kids of the, I'm going to say seventies, eighties, and nineties that our kids will literally never have to learn. And then we're also going to look at the flip side, which is the things that our kids are actually getting very good at and life skills that they are learning that maybe they even have to help us with because we never had to. So it does go both ways. So Sarah, once again, when we're talking to our audience, many of whom are 10 or more years younger than us, I feel like we should include how old we are because that really does change everything around these conversations, right? So I'm 44, but I will say I was a very early adopter to cell phone technology. So I had a cell phone when I was 20. And I very specifically remember not knowing that when you pick it up, you don't hit the button first and then dial. Like I have that memory <laughs> of how long it took me to make that transition. But I was real, I was a pretty young adopter to stuff. So I yeah. feel like I've always straddled the line between being kind of in that almost Gen X um, mm -hmm. generation, but sort of having a more millennial use of technology. So yeah. 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 And I, yeah, you and I, when we were in Chicago, we were looking up again, the millennial Gen X divide and what's called the Oregon trail generation, which is this like micro generation in between. If you're born between like 77 and 83, which we both are. So that's how old we are. I'm 41. I'm born in very, very early 1980. So I'm like barely an eighties child. I'm like almost born in the seventies. Um, but when you were talking about call waiting and pushing a button on like a cordless phone, don't you think I, a lot of the home technology changed rapidly between I, when I was like, say, eight, 1988 mm -hmm. to like 1995? We're talking call waiting. We're talking about cordless phones that you could like go the whole length of the house. We're talking about right? answering machines going from a tape, a cassette tape to more of a digital thing built into your phone to eventually was like part of your phone company. Remember, right? like there was yes. no machine. So all this to say, if you're listening to this, it's going to matter whether you're right in the same age range as Megan and me, whether you're five or 10 or 15 years younger than us, because 
the the age at which we acquire these life skills, it it has to do with that, like whether it's native to you or whether you kind of had to learn it later. Absolutely. And I remember a brief shining moment where my dad let me get my own phone line yeah. in my bedroom when I was 17. And then I ruined it by making a bunch of long distance calls and bye bye Megan's phone oh, line. It went away. Oh, that's it went so away. Funny. Like it was canceled after a month. <laughs> So. I wanted that so badly. I wanted I wanted our own phone line for the kids. A lot of kids I knew had it and we did not get it. But what we got, this is a tangent, but we were allowed to get another phone number on the same line. Did you ever have that? Ooh, so it, rang, no. it had a special ring. So it would do a double ring. So you you couldn't free up. You didn't have two phone lines. You still were tying up a single phone line, but the number you knew rang who, differently. whether they were calling for you or not. And it worked on call waiting too. So if you were call waiting and you heard the double beep, it was for us, a single beep, it was for my parents. And then that led to all kinds of like not answering the call waiting right? if you didn't want to. It was all kinds of good, good all rules. Kind of <laughs> House rules I love that it. came it, out of it, that one. It reminds me of um like party lines. I, I mean, I was uh-huh. obviously not around for party lines. Actually, they might have still been happening where I was from um, in the 70s. Like we were technologically a little backward up in the UP, but I believe that had a special ring for the household. So you knew oh, to answer okay. it based on the ring, I think. Right. So right. yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip on Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the high vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so we've already we've already kind of established a baseline of a lot of 
phone and, and, um, <laughs> telecommunication technology. Right? <laughs> there were so many life skills built into the etiquette of having a family landline. And I think if you grew up in the eighties for sure, and into the nineties, that was, that was your reality. But the, the flip side of answering the phone and taking a message was also placing a telephone call. And I, my kids would not know how to do this. And so I'm, I'll break this down. I'm talking about finding a telephone number by looking right? in the phone book, dialing, like knowing actually like how to dial, um, and then talking to a person who may not be the person you want to talk to. I mean, when we were kids, we'd be like, hi, this is Sarah. Like, is Megan there? Can Megan come play? Like we had to talk to adults. And then we had, if they weren't there, we'd say, okay, could you tell her that Sarah called? Or could you tell her that I'm going to meet her at the park at three o'clock? Like you had this whole back and forth exchange. Um, and maybe it wasn't your friend's mom. Maybe you were calling to order a pizza or whatever. So, and then leaving a message and none, I, I guess our kids will use cell phones and they will eventually have to talk to a human but like only as a last resort, right? They can yeah. do almost everything without dialing a number or talking to a person. And they will go to great lengths yes. to avoid. Like my kids will choose the pizza place that has the best online app, um, yeah. app yes, to order through. Um, and, and also remembering numbers, like memorizing phone numbers is a thing of the past. I don't know my kids' phone numbers off the top of my head. And I should. I mean, that's something I really should know. But I call them so infrequently. Really, we yeah. all just use a group messaging. We don't even really text. We use like a group messaging app. And so mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of me dialing their number. Right. Um, I will say one of the reasons that my kids got phones relatively young is because I got so sick of fielding phone calls from their friends to my phone mm-hmm. number because it was just annoying because there was no way to bypass me. Like the, the, the phone never rang in the house. Right. There was never anyone else who was going to answer that phone. It was always going to go to me. And sometimes I'm like at the grocery store or like right. the kids aren't even with me, you know, they're like at John's house or like they're at a sleepover. And so now it's like my responsibility to stop what I'm doing, find them or remember, like write down the message. It just, it became like, to me, that just became really annoying. And that was honestly one of the reasons we ended up getting um, kids phones kind of young, but you know, even now that they have them, they really use them as of now. And I think when they're like applying for jobs and things like that, like they start to get a little bit better about actually remembering to check their voicemail and stuff. But for a long time, when they, you know, first got their phones, like between the ages of like 12 and 14 or 15, it was only used as a search searching and texting device. Like that's it. Like it really was never used for placing calls. And it's been hard on my job aged kids to get used to calling, speaking to people and then remembering to answer their phones and check their voicemails. That's been really hard. So let me ask you this. Do you think there's some vestiges of good life skills left over in being able to, you know, with courtesy, talk to someone on the telephone that you don't know personally? Like, I feel like there's a there's a lingering amount of that we still want our kids to have. I totally agree. And I hope that it isn't, I hope it doesn't become completely obsolete because it's really not about the, it's, it's really not about the, um, being able to use your voice to ask for someone on the phone. Like who cares? That's, that was, you know, a hundred years ago, that would have been weird. Right. And like now it's weird again, you know, it's a relatively short time in human history when that was the norm. But I think what it does is it allows you to be polite and, um, what's the word I'm looking for here to be polite and like available to an older generation. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like the part of the life skill that matters, not really 
how we connect with each other or how we use technology. I know all of my kids can look an adult in the face and talk to them. They yeah. can all like, they can all interact with their mouths. I'm not worried about that. And so I don't really care if they can use a phone, a piece of phone technology to place a call with their voices. I'm more concerned that they are respectful and like aware that there's other generations that communicate in other ways. So that's a good in point. that way, I think it's still really valuable. Maybe in 20 or 30 years, it won't even be really needed anymore because everyone will be used to doing it the other way. Right. So that's we, the, the, the people who were once young will be the old people. Right. And we exactly. Will be more native with that. Technology. And listen, even old people know how to text now. So, oh yeah, they do. And, and maybe FaceTime. they don't like placing phone calls either. Who knows? Yeah, it's true. Um, okay. I have another one. Um, and this is not about phones at all, but it, it actually is about the absence of phones, cell phones in the old days. And that is a life skill that was very important when you and I were young was not getting lost or separated at a large event or crowd. And if we did get lost or separated, know what to do, mm-hmm. um, having a meeting spot and, and not even, it's not even just about getting lost or separated. Cause I'm remembering a lot of times where like, if we'd go to downtown or to the mall as a family, and let's say I was 12 or 13 and wanted to go off with a friend by myself, you, you made plans to meet back at some place. You had a watch on your wrist yep. and you had to actually then meet at that place. Or if my mom was coming to pick me up and I was getting a ride, the whole concept of setting a meeting spot and time and then sticking to that because you didn't have a way to communicate in between. So it's actually, it's the getting lost and separated is only one small piece of it. It's the other life skill is just making a plan and sticking to it because you're not going to be able to rejigger the plan 25 times by text. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I mean, there's two thoughts that come to mind about that. One is every year when we go up to the UP, um, it's like my kids get a crash course in that oh, skill. Nice. And I have to remember, like re-remember it because we will have, we will have lots of places we go where there's no cell service. And so it's like, we all have to take a moment and and you have to anticipate that that moment might be coming. So like if we're all in cars and we're coming from someplace that has cell service, but we're all heading in the same direction together yeah, to a place right. that doesn't, you have to remember on this, when you still have it <laughs> to tell everyone when we don't have it, here's what we do. So um, it's like that additional step. And the kids have all had to kind of learn how to switch in and out of that mode. And it's really interesting to watch. Like they're, <laughs> they're not great. It's not, yeah. it's not native to them. Let's just put it that way. And to me, it's like native, but in some really weird back door memory that I have left mostly unused for decades now, like literally yeah. two decades. So, um, yeah. The other thing that makes me think of is not too long ago, my friend Missy was telling me a story about a time at a concert. Um, she went to a, a Jimmy Buffett concert with her parents Okay. And everyone had some drinks and then she thought she had to go get something out of her car. I don't know. She left the concert venue and couldn't get back in and then was like wandering around a parking lot for hours. And oh, no. anyways, so she's telling me this story and I'm like listening to the story with today's sensibilities. Right. And I'm just thinking, oh yeah. So they're like, you know, when her parents got out of the concert, they probably checked their phones and then, you know, noticed it. But this was like way, way long time ago. There was no phone. There was no cell phones. And when I realized that I almost panicked, like I had a very visceral, like panic response. Like, what did you do? But what did you do? And I thought this used to happen all the time. Uh People did get lost, even though you had the best of intentions, you might pick a meeting spot. You might have a plan, but sometimes that plan didn't work out. And you're at the County fair and you're in that building where they call your parents over the intercom. (laughs) I mean, like, that's why those things are like at the mall. 
Yeah. And they would call your parents over the intercom or at Target, they would call your parents over the intercom. Like that, those, those safeguards were there for those situations. And now I wonder, would my kids even know? Like, right. would they even know what to do if they were truly separated from me? I don't know. It made me feel really panicky, actually, just thinking about it. Well, and what's funny is that before the age where kids are getting their own devices, it's largely the same. I remember having conversations with my little kids having them memorize my phone number, yep. having them learn how to look for a safe grown up or who to ask if you can't find mommy, blah, blah, blah. But then it's almost like once they get a phone, the the coordinating and the meeting place. And like you said, when you're up camping, like, OK, we're all going to have lunch at this diner, but you have to decide that diner before you lose cell service. Then it's like it's all wiped completely away because we're so reliant on our phones. And I have a quick, funny story. Reed does not have a phone yet. He's 11 and in sixth grade. He texts from the house on his device in the house, but he does not have a cellularly. So when he's out of the house, he's out of luck. And he walks to the market with his friends every Friday after school to get candy bars. It's real cute and very like grown up of them. And I would say at least half the sixth graders, maybe more, have cell phones, but he does not. And the first time we were coordinating pickup, I, I had that panicky feeling. I'm like, well, I, I am not going to be able to contact him. So we have to know. I, you have to tell me exactly where you're going to be, buddy. Exactly what corner of the store, like I'm going to come at exactly 345. And then like, I'm thinking, first of all, we now live in the town where I grew up. So this is literally like the same corner store I went to. And then I was like, if I drive even in over in that vicinity and yell the name Reed out a car window, like I'm going to find him. He's not like, he's right there in that area. So this ability to be so hyper, um, accurate with our, our timing, I'll be there in 25 seconds. I'll be there in three minutes. Like I am, I get addicted to that because I like predictability and I like precision and I like schedules. But then I realized like, oh, also he's just going to be with his friends outside the store. I know where that is. Like he doesn't actually need a phone. But in my mind, I was like, but how will we coordinate the pickup? It was just so funny. Well, and, and doesn't it make you think back to like when you were a kid, how much time you spent waiting for your parents? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time waiting around for my parents, like, you know, just waiting for them to show up wherever I don't know, like wherever I was supposed to be, but at sort of a vague time, like it'll be vaguely after school. It'll be vaguely. And if your parents were late, you didn't, they didn't have any way to let you know that they got hung up at the grocery store. Like they just didn't have any way. Um, that story made me think of something like the flip side that I have found with kids who do have phones. And that's that sometimes I rely on it too much. So last weekend, Clara was at a friend's house who lives in our neighborhood and she texted me that she'd be leaving soon. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm, and I texted her back and said, I've got some things to do. I'll be home in a little while. And, um, just kind of expected that I'd see her when I got home in an hour. And then I glanced at my phone and saw that Jenna had Instagrammed a picture of her kids carving pumpkins with Clara. So like (laughs) in, it's in her stories. So Clara is at her house. Uh-huh. And so I call Clara, no answer. I call Jenna. She's like, oh yeah, she's over here. So I was like, tell her she's kind of in trouble. So I went and got her. And I was like, you never, so she was able to arrange a crosstown pickup wow. with her aunt and cousins without ever involving me, yeah. but then didn't tell me. And I said, honey, why do you think you have a phone? Is it so that you can just do whatever you want? No, that's not why I'm paying <laughs> for you to have a phone. It's so that I know what you're doing. Like the other stuff is just, you know, the other stuff is just a plus yeah. for you, but it's oh not the whole point. So it just kind of made me laugh because I thought, uh, you know, that's just a little bit of a disconnect between what she thinks the point is and what I think the point is. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Yeah. So. so funny. Well, okay, moving right along. I think these are all very related to each other. So for the next one, at, fir- at first I wrote down that the life skill kids that's obsolete for kids now is reading a paper map. And then I actually am going to expand that because what I really mean is relying on a paper resource for important factual information and having to track down that resource. It could be a TV guide. It could be a printed bus schedule. It could be a course catalog for high school or college. We had to, first of all, get our hands on these very important newsprint quality paper resources (laughs) and then not lose them and then pour over them for the exact tiny bit of information that we needed. And maps were just one of them. Like you needed to have a map in your glove box if you were a driving teenager. Um, You needed to be able to track down like the bus schedule and you couldn't, they weren't available like at an instant. You couldn't just ask the air around you. Remember phone books? Yeah, phone books. Exactly. So I don't know. I think I'm sure this has created, and we can talk about this more, the assumption from our kids that information is their birthright. Like, remember when Owen said that like Wi-Fi was like, what did he think? It was just like in the air around him. He just thought, yes, he thought it was just everywhere. And he'd get really upset that we'd go someplace and didn't have Wi-Fi. He's like, well, how do we get on it? I'm like, what do you mean? How do we just get on the the Wi-Fi? I'm like, there isn't, there isn't any, like we, it's not like, yeah, it's not like just like floating around and we can all tap in. That's not how this works. And that took him quite, and some of my kids quite some time to grasp. Like it's that entitlement really to everything that's out there. And and quite honestly, they're probably right. Like unless they go volunteer in a jungle somewhere or choose to live off a grid, they will probably always have information in the air around them. I'm not sure this is going to change, but I do remember feeling like it was a pretty grown up life skill myself to be able to read a map, look up yep. something in a phone book, find, um, I keep saying bus schedules, but I was really excited to be able to take public transportation when I was like 13, 14. And I just remember like, if you didn't know, if you didn't have that information, you couldn't, there was no other way to get it. Maybe there was like an automated telephone number, maybe, but then you had to wait through all of the, you know, like push five and push two. It's (laughs) just, they have it all immediately. And maybe that's okay. Maybe this is one of those truly obsolete that they just won't need. Well, I, I don't know. I think that there is a definitely a, there's like the soft skill and that is like having to work for the information and like, having to keep track of things like that, I think is the skill there. Not necessarily like, I don't know, having to have paper on hand. Um, and then I actually do think that learning how to actually read a map is very valuable. I do feel sometimes like, um, being too reliant on GPS is like making us let have less of an orientation in the world because like, you're just waiting for turn by turn instructions. But do you even know where you are? I have found that when I, if it's someplace like I'm, I'm going to, but I know that I'm going to be going there 15 or 20 times or like, you know, someone new who I'm hanging out with or something or going a new place I'm going to, I really try not to rely on my GPS after the first time because I want to know how to get there. And you just go into that autopilot where you're not even thinking. So I think that that's one of those things, like maybe they won't need it 95% of the time, but the 5% of the time you need it, you really, really need it. Like you really need to know how to get where you're going. I agree. And I do think they still teach, at least my kids have had different units in school where they study maps and they maybe have to draw a map or make a map of their house. I, I, there is something, especially because you and I both say we don't have great spatial reasoning. There's right. something really valuable about being able to read a map, understand a map, even draw a map for somebody else. Um, and I think some, some brains come to it more naturally than others. But yeah, I, I'm going to, I would agree with that. 
Yeah. And I think that uh, my kids also have learned it in school, but I do think, especially for someone like maybe like us who aren't as naturally spatially oriented, it's the repetition of it that really mm-hmm. drills it in. It's not necessarily like, okay, this is a map. I know how a map works. It's more like having to do that, uh, having to do it a lot, like doing yeah. it again and again, that kind of really makes it stick. So that's one of those that I, I hope there's some way for them to really practice that skill, even though it doesn't seem necessary. Yeah. Agreed. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, (laughs) and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash the mom hour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mani system. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right. Well, Megan, this, this sort of dovetails from the same thing we were talking about before the break, which is the kind of immediacy and um, the, the entitlement of like having exactly what you want immediately available to you. But I want to talk about the media we consumed as, as you know, kids, tweens, teens in the 80s and 90s and how it was not on demand. So you and I probably listened to the radio or we had cassette tapes or records or CDs. Um, but if your favorite song had just come out and you wanted to hear it and maybe even record it like when it played on the radio, you had a certain amount of waiting around. Do you remember waiting around to oh, hear a song on the radio? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember calling in to request a song oh, on yeah. the radio? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I know from working at a radio station as a morning show host for a couple of years, like that's not something people really do anymore. And so that was actually really frustrating to us because we're like, how do people are still listening because they're in their cars still, but they're not going to like call us to ask right. for a song. Right. <laughs> like they, yes. they can get it some other way. They don't need My- to. My kids truly, and my kids are all really into music right now. They just, they, they tell the listening voice assistant, I'm not going to say her name because she'll start talking to to play a song and it just plays. So they are so spoiled there. And then also I was thinking about TV and movies. I used to look at the TV guide or what was coming up on TV and like, you had to like make a plan. I'm either going to stay home this Friday because this movie's on or I'm going to set my VCR to tape it, or I'm going to hope like my mom will tape this for me. And, um, we just now, I think we have the ultimate best of all worlds. We have, we can watch things later because everything is like available anytime. And then we also still have live TV. If we really want to watch like a football game or something live 
And you can also pause live TV and finish it later. Like there's just, this is, this has come a long way. I, f- I don't know what the life skill is there, except that we, we had to learn to wait and to anticipate the dropping of our favorite media. Well, I feel like it's the planning. It's the, it's the delayed gratification because yeah. you couldn't have it re- like right when you wanted it. And then it was also the, um, going through the effort to preserve it, which wasn't even really available. Like I don't remember being able to use my VCR to record shows up until like the mid to late eighties. And I had a VCR. Maybe I just didn't know how to do that. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, no, I, it I was, think that's I right. Could, I could. Okay. I remember what it was. I could record in real time yes. before like the late eighties, but you had to before you could set it to do it later. I think that was later technology. I do too. I remember doing it probably at like 94 and we weren't super, we weren't a very tech forward family. So I'm sure there were families doing it sooner than that. But I was the one in my family who had the patience to like read the manual and learn it. And I, I mean, I have memories of looking at that little digital display, setting the program time, setting the and you know you were you were reading like a paper manual. It yes. was, didn't have a touch screen. This was and like, you had to click through. It was like click 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 mm-hmm. click 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 to change the time. I remember um, recording episodes of Friends, like the oh. very coveted episodes of Friends, and I also recorded an entire season of the show Moonlighting with okay. Bruce Willis uh-huh. and Sybil Shepherd um, because it came on after I went to bed, and I really right. wanted to watch it after school. So every night I would set my VCR to record from eleven to eleven thirty. And then Uh after school, when I got home, I would watch it while I ate my cereal. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Again, I'm not exactly sure what our kids are missing out on, except boy, do they have it lucky. I think the only thing I can think of is Allegra has had to anticipate the release of a couple albums she was excited about that they literally weren't out yet. And so she was like, okay, when I get home from camp, like the new Billie Eilish album is going to be out. And that that reminded me a little bit of like a movie release or yeah. a CD release, but otherwise so much of the media that my kids are consuming, it has already been made. It's already in existence. So it's literally just like, do I want to watch it on this tablet or this TV? Like it's, can I use my voice to tell it what to right. do? Like, it's pretty crazy. Well, may, maybe the life skill, especially for really little kids is that because they are so awash in instant gratification and because they like Owen believe that the internet is just in the air. <laughs> Like when you're in a situation that for whatever reason they can't rely on that technology and it does happen. Like sometimes yeah. you're in a place that doesn't have Wi-Fi or, you know, someone else is using it and you can't or for whatever reason you don't have Spotify, like whatever it is, you can't get your hands on the thing you want right then. And you can sometimes see little like the confusion on yeah. little kids faces when they don't understand why the hotel TV, for example, just right. plays yeah. and it doesn't back up. Like right. you know, it's like. It's, it's like when they're in an environment that's not that home environment, like they're used to, it's like, they don't know what to do. And I don't know that it's, it's not necessarily a vital life skill, but it's a skill. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, before we transition to talking about the life skills, our kids are mastering right under our noses. uh, The last thing I want to talk about is learning to type. And I thought this would be interesting because we discussed you're 44, I'm 41 we're from very, we grew up in very different regions of the country and our kids are in different types of school. Now, I think my observation, you can tell me if I'm correct or incorrect. There was a big shift in like the seventies, maybe eighties in assuming that every, every person going through school needed to learn to quickly and proficiently learn to type on a typewriter. And then maybe later a word processor or a computer. And it was like, 
If I talked to anyone older than me, it was often mainstream. Everybody took it in junior high or high school. And then around the time, so I took typing as an after school, like enrichment in sixth grade. And I'm really glad I did because I'm a, I'm a very accurate, pretty fast typer, but it was not standard in public school for us. Um, and for a lot of people, I think it wasn't until junior high or high school that they were learning to type. Now, fast forward to our kids. My kids have done typing programs on the computer in like first, second, third grade, but I'm not sure it's viewed as the same kind of proficiency skill that it was. It seems like you got to learn to like get your, know your way around a keyboard, but it feels very different than like the QWERTY method that was a thing both for you and me, but especially for people a little bit older than you and me. So I want to hear your typing, your and your kids typing learning experience. So I learned to type in 10th grade. It was part of the curriculum. I do not believe it. Well, it may have been one of those like electives that's like kind of like kind of an elective, but not really like it's Mm -hmm. one of two things or something. It's like either that or accounting, which you could argue are both equally important. Um, but most people I knew took it and I am an extremely fast typer and I actually will credit my typing skills with like basically my entire early career. Like if I had not been able to type as quickly and accurately as I could, there's just many things that would not have been available to me. However, I really honed those skills as an adult. So I, I got the basic skills in high school where I, you know, learned how to touch type without looking and I can, Mm -hmm. I like, I'm holding, I have my fingers on the keyboard right now and I can. I can just remember the stupid exercises we did that kind of got your ring finger strong and like knowing yeah. where the, where the keys were. Um, it really wasn't until I started really getting online in my twenties, really, that I really got very, very fast. But that basic, that basis helped me. I know that my kids learn to type. I don't know that it's like a required class. And I don't know that, like you said, I don't know that it's considered a proficiency skill the same way that it was, but they all seem like fairly decent typers. I just don't know typists. I just don't know that any of them are like amazing, like hit it out of the park, fast typers. Yeah. I know for my kids, it was often like a little game that they played, like a computer game they played as part of their language arts class. It was never like an elective or some whole separate thing. And don't you feel like this is one of those things that in another 20 years might be kind of obsolete? obsolete. I just think voice Voice is where it's going to be. Voice recognition, voice to type, um, smart typing. You know, I just think it's still a good skill. I'm like you. I I can type without looking. I'm pretty fast. I'm very loud, as we know, on the typing. You are. Um, You type like like you're really going for it. I know. I don't know why. But I don't really want. So just this is like an aside. I don't want to go voice to type because to me, there's a connection between my fingers and the letters that does not happen when I think out loud. Like I don't even, I don't even voice to text. I don't like it. Even though I also hate texting with my fingers. I just, there's something about the, I, maybe it's just so ingrained now. Like the tactile process of writing to me is an important part of writing. But I don't think if you're, if you were a native, like a kid who's not even born yet, let's say a kid who's going to be born in 10 years, that might not be true for them. It could be true for you and not true for another generation. I don't voice to text either, except that I, I got a new car. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast, an upgraded minivan. And it, it when I, I can plug my phone into it, it has Apple CarPlay, which is really nice, actually. It, it brings like the main apps you would use right onto your dash. So like the music, the podcasts, and then 
if any texts come in, it reads them to you and you can reply back with your voice. And I will say it's gotten so much more accurate. Like when Siri first came out, it was so bad. She, I mean, (laughs) she was like, her transcription was so like hilariously bad that it was just like a joke. But I will say now I am getting a little more used to that, like, like what to say and adding the punctuation, like Mm. send a text to Megan Francis. Hi, Megan, exclamation point. How are you doing? Question mark. It sounds so dorky when you first do it, but there have been times where I'm like, oh, I get it. This is, this is quite useful. There are many times I'm in the car and I think to myself, gosh, it would be really great right now to be able to send a message with my mouth. And I, I don't have the skills or ability. I don't really even know how to do it. This is like me. It's like an old person thing kind of, but it's also just like a stubbornness thing. I got used to my ways of doing things like boxer or I guess just not texting people until I get out of the car. And I just didn't really want to change that until every now and then I'm like, man, I just feel, I wish I could do it. Yeah. And I'm sure it wouldn't take that much effort. Well, and I, I'm saying it as someone who was much the same and it's only been this one little change, which is the new car that makes it both kind of necessary and also really easy that I'm like, okay, I I could see this. So, all right. Well, I want to talk about a few life skills that are the total opposite, which means our kids are learning them and mastering them now. And we never had to learn these. So maybe we never will, or maybe in some cases, our kids are actually better than us and can help us a little bit. Um, And the first one that I've observed, and you might, I don't know if this is true in your family, but my teen and tween, especially, I feel have a very native and very smart sense for spotting spam, junk, um, suspicious internet malarkey. If like, do you know what I mean? Like things yeah. that, that look are meant to look real, but are not. And what's cool is my kids are actually learning this in school. They're lit- learning in um, different ways. They're learning like digital literacy and like what to look for if you get an email or if you're sent a link, like what to look for to identify if this is real or not. And I think obviously we know this is like such an important life skill. So I'm so glad. But what I've observed is they are much more discerning than I would think they'd be because they don't have a lot of life experience. They haven't had a virus take over their computer like we did, like in the in the late 90s, early 2000s. So they're somehow learning it in kind of this intuitive way. And then if you compare that to like my parents' generation, my parents are such smart people. And my dad will forward me things because he knows he's not supposed to click any links. So he'll be like, is this <laughs> like, but real? But I'm not sure. But I'm not I'm sure. Like, oh, yeah. that one is real. It's actually from Google. It's just wanting to verify your account. But like, how would he know? It all looks the same to him. So I just find there's that like, really There's like there's those really subtle tells and you don't yes. even know why it looks wrong. Yeah. You just know if it's native to you. So what's funny about this is that I think this is something where kids have come a long way very quickly. Yeah. I definitely remember, and I can't remember if it was Owen or Will. Actually, it might've been Isaac. Might've been one of my older, older kids um, who was convinced that we were going to get a free iPad. And I just remember having to be like, no, don't click that. And it was, we had a, a PC. I will say the, the, the thing with like your computer being taken over by viruses and like the um, things that make a million browser tabs open yeah. since I've had a Mac it's, is basically non-existent. But Agreed. when we were on PC, it did happen somewhat often. And I can't remember if it was like a really little young Owen or Will, or if it was like a slightly older Isaac, I think it was a slightly older Isaac. And I was like, seriously, dude, I mean, <laughs> like, that's not, no, it's just flashing on your screen saying, and he was so excited. He was like, mom, 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 mom. All we have to do is play this game and we're going to get a free iPad. And I was like, no, that's not how this works. But how do you explain that's not how this works? Like right. it's, it's very 
in, it's like ingrained and intuitive and there's no way to like, you have to just be exposed over and over and over and over to what it should look like versus what it shouldn't. Yes. To and learn what's it. too good to be true. Like yes. what types of things actually come through on a pop-up ad is a, is a free iPad likely to be offered to you in that way? Like <laughs> right, exactly. regardless of how well the design is and how legit it looks, is that, right. is that a normal method for giving a free iPad? Probably right, not. Ex- exactly. So I think it's, it's like maturity and also learning. Um, and I will be very glad. I have noticed for sure that Clara and Owen in particular and will now are just so cynical about everything. Like, yes. so, like they are like little sleuths and yeah. they're almost like, they're almost a little overbearing about it. Sometimes I'm like, just back off. Why are you like looking over my shoulder? Like I know how to spot it too. Right. Um, right. But they, so they're, they're almost like, they're almost smug about it uh-huh. in a way. That's yeah. So funny. It's so funny. Um, okay. Well, I wanted to mention this one because I know it hits home for parents of even very young kids who had to learn a life skill in the last year and a half that nobody planned on. And that is all of the skills and etiquette around being on camera and being on a video conference. I mean, nobody planned for this. We knew, I mean, video conference was a thing in the business world, but before the pandemic, nobody realized like how ubiquitous it would become in our lives. And I just, I wish it, I wish it didn't have to be the case. All that aside, I'm so impressed with how a six and seven year old can know how to mute and unmute, know how to change gallery view to speaker view, know that it matters what's happening in the background, that like mom can't walk by in her bathrobe behind if first grade is happening. And I just, I guess I just wanted to bring it up because it's an example of these skills that everybody is capable of learning, but man, do kids learn them quickly and efficiently and it becomes so normal for them so, so quickly. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. I, it is something for me that I still feel very behind in my web conferencing skills. Um, and I was amazed last year to walk through the class, like through the dining room, which was like their kid's classroom Uh and watch them so easily navigate through things like to really be confident that they weren't on camera. I remember walking in and being like, what are you, what are you doing? Are you on camera? They're like, no. And I was like, are you sure? And they look at me like, mom, what's wrong with you? And they've also gotten better about not walking. So yesterday, Sarah, you and I were on a um, Zoom call with our business coach and my kids walked in and then stopped just short because it's like they walked into the room and then they knew that I was on camera just by probably the look on my face or whatever. I mean, they had no real way of knowing because of their back, like the computer screen would have been not facing them. Um, But they just like sense. It was a sense. They just knew it. They knew maybe the way I was holding my body, the way their sound was coming out, that it was live, like whatever it was, they knew. And that two years ago, they would not have been that instinctive about not like walking right up to me and getting on camera. You're so right. Learned it. Yeah. You're so right. I was thinking Violet, I was doing a yoga with Adrian, a pre-recorded yoga video. Like this is a couple months ago or whatever at night um, before bed. And Violet started to come in the room and she, and she's at this point, yeah, eight. And she asked right away. She like kind of mouthed like silently, like, is it live or is it pre-recorded? Like, are you, is this happening? And to know that there's a difference. And I said, oh no, it's pre-recorded. Like there's no, no one can see me, but like to know that there's a difference and to know what the etiquette differences would be, it's all built into their consciousness in a way that we had to learn as adults. Yeah, totally agree. Well, I wanted to ask you about remote controls in your house before, <laughs> before we wrap. Uh, I mean, this is really like, it is an essential life skill to know how to operate one's, one's television. I know, I but now very, why are there so many remotes? I am very close, Megan, to officially not being able to like 
make stuff happen on a TV in my house. Like I am going to be that mom who's like, can somebody put on my program? That's okay. I was there for a long time. So for a very long time, we have like a nice TV, but it was um, slightly older. Like the smart stuff wasn't built in. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, we were using the Xbox to control all the smart things on the TV. Well, I don't do Xbox. I don't like the controller. It's like not in your native. It's not in my native language, nor do I want it to be. I don't really want to learn it. And so almost every time I had to like figure out how to get from app to app and then navigate through because like I've got Hulu and Netflix and all these things. I'd be like, how do I navigate? First of all, from home to the app and then inside the app. And I was constantly calling my kids into the room. Plus that and like the speakers were on a totally, it looks like the TV had one remote. The thing that makes the TV do things, it was the Xbox controller. And then the TV that, or the remote that made the stereo sound go up and down was a totally separate one. And it's just, it's too much. And my kids would kind of come in the room and sigh. Now we did just get, um, a new Roku. So now at least it's condensed down to two remotes. The one that turns the TV on also controls the, yeah, that is good. But I mean, it's still, sometimes I'm still confused. Well, and if you ever want to feel old, just like ask a six-year-old to put on a movie for you and watch them like navigate through Netflix. And they're like, doop, boop, 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 boop. And (laughs) in a second, they are where they need to be. I will say I married someone who loves home entertainment technology. So, and I know when you were married to John, like there were certain aspects of internet that he was like, that was his job. So things always just worked well. So for Brian, remotes and connectivity and like smart home entertainment has always, it, it magically works, which is both a blessing and a curse. I don't know. I don't have to know anything about how it works because he really sets it up in whatever the smartest way possible for that technology is. So we don't usually have too many remotes, but I am getting to the point where the kids know better than I do just like where everything is and like which yeah. volume controls what and blah, blah, blah. So, yep, they will yeah. pass us. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So Sarah, I guess I think what's so fun about these conversations is like, it's so easy to go like shaking your cane, get off my lawn (laughs) about stuff like this and be like, and, and like I was the point I made about like, even the fact that like the phone came in and out in a, in basically a hundred years, like the phone, Mm -hmm. the way we knew it, like basically its entire life cycle was a hundred years. And you can't look back before the phone existed and say, like those people were spoiled, <laughs> like, right? Th- just that they didn't have like things have just advanced. And in some ways things become obsolete for a reason. And sometimes it's, it's, um, it's awkward to us. It shakes up our way of doing things, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a net loss. Um, but sometimes it's still kind of fun to shake our canes a little bit. I, I'm not sure where I, where I like, where I really go with this, because I do think there are some essential niceties and like little grace thing, graceful ways of living and like, I don't know, etiquette things that can get clunky when generations don't agree. And maybe that's really what it is. It's not that Mm -hmm. the skill matters. It's how people of different generations or even backgrounds, um, can relate to each other when something goes away, but doesn't go away at the same rate for everybody. I agree. And I have two things to add to that. One is I like thinking about what the generation above us would have been shaking their canes at us about. Like, I'm thinking like you and I wrote some cards and letters in our day, but we didn't do most of our correspondence by formal letter. And do you remember learning a form letter in school? I do. I remember learning it and then promptly never using that kind of like, 
you know, that, that whole formulaic look of like, unless you're writing to like the president or (laughs) I don't know your boss in another city, like you're just not going to use that form letter anyway. So I guess it, it repeats like sunrise, sunset, like our kids will also be shaking their canes at their kids for some reason. They probably won't need canes. They'll probably have bionic bodies. Yeah. They'll just think, (laughs) they'll just think the judgy thoughts and and there it'll go. In their Um, heads that are in a jar while their bodies are robot bodies. I mean, we could go all kinds of ways with this, but you know what I mean? But I guess my other thought that I want to finish on is I also, I mean, our kids are very spoiled when it comes to access to information and immediacy. Um, But I don't want it to go unsaid that I also think kids today have a ton more pressure on them than we did in a lot of ways that they grow up sooner in a lot of ways. And so this is not a judgment or a moral decision of like, which is better, the old days or the new days. I think we can laugh and have fun with the fact that like our kids can just ask Google like what the weather is today and they don't have to crack open a newspaper like we did or whatever. But they, I also think that there are some ways in which we had a more protected childhood, um, just less pressure on us to know and yes. be and do all the things. So it's not better or worse. It's it's just different. And and our kids probably don't have they they do have expectations about immediate gratification, and that is way easier than what we had. Yes, but it, it runs both ways. They have it harder in a lot of ways. I think. I totally agree. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. It's fun. It's fun to like reminisce about, but it really isn't like a value judgment. No, it isn't. Our kids generation. Yeah. And guess what? Life skills are great. Whether you learned them in 1987 or 2021, life skills are a good thing. Um, Absolutely. Well, wanted to mention real quick that this Sunday's more than mom episode is kind of a fun one. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we're just kind of imagining like our fantasy city and country lives. Like Sarah, I feel like you and I have both kind of had this middling experience for the majority of our lives where we've either lived in small towns or suburbia with some like flirting with the city and flirting with the country. But I think it's going to be fun. I know for myself, I've always had like little fantasies of being super urban or Mm -hmm. super country. And um, we're just going to dive into those fantasies a little bit. I love it. That's what those Sunday more than moms are for. So join us on Sunday and we will talk to everybody then. Talk to you then. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone, we have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to. If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so much.